0: Yo-ho, I'm Damien Roos. Today, must have full maintenance tools, how to keep the sweat out of your eyes, what's the step up to veterans or masters like, and what is the single most important thing you can do to reduce sick days. You got a question about cycling, I got you covered. But if I can't find the answer, it doesn't exist. This is your Cycling Questions Answered. If you're new to the show, here's the format. You ask the cycling question I answer. It's as simple as that. So let's jump straight into question number one. How do you keep the sweat out of your eyes while riding? It's a super... Annoying problem if you're a heavy sweater, and I am indeed a super heavy sweater. They used to call me the gland, as in the sweat gland, of course. So I'm feeling like I'm qualified to answer this one from personal experience. Also, I've lived in summer for about the past five years or so, so I know exactly what it's like to ride and sweat. Here's the first tip, which isn't always so obvious. Clean your helmet, namely the sweat pads. If you're a heavy sweater, then at some point, your sweat is gonna break free of your sweat solution, whatever you choose from the options I'm gonna mention soon. And you don't want that liquid lava to be down on your eyes and be super dirty and extra funky in those eyes. You want it to be as clean as possible. If it's filled with crusty sweat from three weeks ago or three years ago, it's going to be so much more worse. A simple shampoo in the shower will do it. Just get in the shower, put the shampoo on your head and then the helmet, jiggle it around, that's it. Rinse dry and you're ready for your next ride. Of the options for sweat solutions, I have only found one that does the job with any reliability. I'm going to save that one till the end. But here are the other options. Headbands, including bandanas and thin sweatbands. There's a name that gets thrown around a lot, and that is halo headbands. Sweat removal is their USP, but there is mixed feedback on their effectiveness. It certainly looks like a good solution, but it cannot be guaranteed. Next, keep your eyebrows bushy. Of course, not for everyone, but bushy eyebrows, especially bushy mono eyebrows, are a top-notch solution, something which you miss out on if you're a monk. Vaseline is another one. It's as messy as though. It's worse than sunscreen for the ability to attract dust and grit out of nowhere and it's a style and ickiness nightmare. Avoid at all costs. Then there's the old squeeze. The old palm push to the forehead will remove a lot of collected sweat. It's more effective to wait a while so that the spillage is also a factor here and you really won't be doing it every 10 minutes or so. It's more an on the hour type of thing. This is more of a bonus uh, or a supplement to the main things that I'm offering here. But here it is, here's the miracle solution that I found. Well, that's selling up a little too much. A plain old cotton cycling cap with the peak flipped. That's the key part here. Something about the sweat dispersing into the cap's headband rather than dripping from the end of the peak onto your frame or wherever it's going to go. It's not foolproof and sweat will escape at some point, but if you've got a clean helmet and not too much sunscreen on your forehead, you will survive just fine. Question two, I've been riding bikes for some time now and I have always taken them to shops for maintenance and repairs. I do my own work, including engine rebuilds on my track motorbikes. For some reason, I have been hesitant to touch the pedal bikes. I figure it's time I start doing my work and I'm wondering what are the must-haves in the toolbox. I'm obviously going to be purchasing a repair stand but what bike-specific tools should I be purchasing as well? Keep in mind, I have your essential wrenches, sockets, etc. From the motorbikes, I'm looking to work on a wide range of bikes, as I have both road and mountain bikes, along with Shimano and SRAM. If brands make a difference for tools, I'd like to cover a wide range of those as well. I have quite a few bikes, and I would like to help friends save a few bucks on their bikes. Wow, long question, simple answer. Well. Three simple answers. I thought that it would be best to split this up into three different sizes, small, medium, and large collections of tools. Let's go with the bare minimum number one first. The bare minimum is a chain whip, a cassette tool, a chain tool, decent Allen keys, and good wire cutters. None of this side cutter stuff. You need proper wire cutters. There is no way to hack this or get around this. You have to buy something expensive and made for cutting wire So any brand of bike tool will do here. Then just get the rest of it when you need it, when you have that problem, even though it probably is two in the morning on a Thursday that you're gonna need it. When you need it, that's when you should get it. Otherwise those ones will do fine. Now let's extend this a little bit. Let's add the following mini ratchet. Set of hex bits for the ratchet, 1 to 10-ish Newton meter torque wrench, 10 to 100-ish Newton meter torque wrench with adapter for a quarter inch drive bits. Park spoke keys, homemade bearing BB press out of plumbing odds and ends, park chain checker, park mini chain tool, park chain whip, park master link pliers, park holotech crank cap tool. That is definitely going to help you out in a lot more situations with Filly Little Bits and you can tell that Park is the preferred brand of myself and many people actually. Now if we move to three then there is a monster list because there is always the time when you don't have the tools so why not just get everything the external bottom bracket tool, the chain whip, the chain tool, the cassette tool, seven and eight millimeter box wrenches, and fifteen millimeter for track bikes spoke wrenches, spoke tension meters, loose Allen wrenches, three millimeters to ten millimeters, plus three point park tool Allen wrenches, metric Allen and torque bits, so- sockets, sets, master link pliers, table and housing cutters. Again, buy a good one. Torque wrenches, load for most stuff and hyper cranks, bottom bracket cups, etc. Just torque everything you can. Ratchets and sockets and adapters, miscellaneous screwdrivers, long bolt, long bolt nuts, washers, and BB30 caps, and a BB headset pressing tool. Park tool or other general use grease, carbon paste, blue, red, green lock type thread lock and tie levers, hacksaw standard and carbon cutting blades, park zero two cutting guide, chain wear checker pack, of miscellaneous black zip ties, Teflon tape for BB threads, blue shop paper towels, Lysol or similar surface wet wipes, bike stand, truing stand, park dishing tool, toolbox, electrical or vinyl tape, PVC piping for race setting, ball pen, hammer and rubber mallet, headset cup removal tool, BB30 bearing removal tool, three meter strapping tape, boxes of miscellaneous M3, M4, M5, M6, bolts, washers, nuts, etc. That will get you out of trouble in 99% of problems. And I know that's a hell of a list and pretty ugly to listen to in audio. But if you're in the situation where you wanna go and get some tools, definitely if you can just rewind that and listen to it slowly everything is in there that you need. Question three, recently aged up to vet status, first Vets series race tomorrow, my first bunch race in years after mainly TT'ing, thought I'd try the vet series as it's supposedly safer than open bunch racing. Still mildly shitting it though, any tips? Well this is something that I've thought about when I did my first veteran race a couple of years back. I actually hadn't raced in Australia for five years at that point. So I was curious about how I would go and what the racing would be like. And one thing that I noticed straight away was a more gentlemanly vibe. No one was cutting me off or pulling any overly dangerous moves in front of me. I'm sure this isn't true where every veteran's race is, but for a weeknight Criterium race, it was a nice change to the open clubs racing alternative. So the first bit of advice is that don't be that guy. And it's always don't be that guy. The one that's always pulling dangerous moves Win with smarts and strength, not marginal moves that will get you no friends in the end. This doesn't mean that you have to let someone in a paceline line or wherever, just, to, just think before you act. As for fitness, there are still grades or cats to consider and it's tough to know where to start and you don't want to be a sandbagger riding in a grade that's obviously too low. If possible, go one higher than you think. Riders always undersell themselves, sometimes on purpose, RE sandbaggers, but you can always go down after fading away in the last few laps. It's better than beating some poor rider that has worked their way up to the front of a grade and then gets the morale kicked out of them from some new guy that shouldn't even be there. And P.S., The age thing is actually pretty funny. It's kind of like you're back in juniors. You might have some advantage being younger in veterans, but don't always count on it. What's the single most important thing you can do to reduce sick days? And can you change from being a climber to a sprinter or vice versa? Find out after the break. Before we go any further, I have to mention that all throughout this episode, you're hearing about what I do here at Semi Pro Cycling to structure our cyclist training and increase fitness every single day. Well, In my next workshop, I'll show you exactly how to do this for your cycling. In this free online training, I'll give you a live step-by-step walkthrough on how the cyclists I coach prepare, plan, and perform, including how to focus and structure your training, our top way to arrange workouts, optimize a forgotten area to increase your power, and take guessing which workouts to do next out of the picture. To get your spot on the workshop, go to semiprocycling.com forward slash workshop. It would be great to see you on there. So make sure you check it out. Welcome back to the Semi Cycling Podcast. Question four, changing from climber to sprinter. So I used to race and was really short and skinny. Then I started boxing and still want to compete in that butt race as well. I have a decent amount of endurance, just need a start putting more miles in during the week. I still want to box as an amateur level, so obviously I'm going to be more muscular than I was before. So I'm assuming I'm going to be best off targeting more criteriums and becoming a sprinter. Problem is, I can't sprint at all. I'm 5'7", about 150 pounds, with pretty big legs, but still feel like a climber. What's your advice to make this transition? Workout-wise, diet-wise, tactics-wise, anything at all you'd recommend to make this transition. All right, let's start with a little story. I know a rider that when they started riding, they were a little bigger than the other riders. They were a little plump, I guess you could say. And instantly, everybody labeled them as a sprinter. They fit the mold physically, they looked the part. The trouble was that the person couldn't sprint for shit. They went on for ages, entering races and planning everything around a sprint. Now, this was track racing, so they even did the sprint match races. One day though, at a track carnival, they decided to do the Omnium. The Omnium is an interesting race. It's a bit of everything. It includes six different events, one lap flying start time trial, five kilometer scratch race, an elimination race known as the devil, a four kilometer individual pursuit, and a 15 kilometer points race, and a one kilometer time trial. And do you know what happened? They smashed the four-kilometer pursuit, an endurance event. In track terms, it's the exact opposite of a sprint. So what's the lesson? The lesson is, other than don't listen to anyone, trust the data to point you in the right direction, but mostly use your instinct to work out your strengths. It may be sprinting, but then again, maybe it's not. Practically, this means double down on your strengths, which sounds like you're using your slow twitch muscles over your fast twitch, your sprinting muscles. You can build your fast twitch muscles, but it won't necessarily mean that you'll be competitive in your races in sprints. Plus, your boxing muscle doesn't instantly translate into strength and power on the bike. Your physiological makeup is a big part of who you are as a cyclist and a boxer even. Basically, though, don't fall into the trap of trying to become something you're not. However, saying all of that, if you want to race criteriums, change your tactics and your approach and try to win these races in different ways other than sprinting. Nail the criterion basics, positioning, efficiency, and decide if you're going to break away or ride to the end. If you're not a sprinter, then there's no point waiting till the end. There's plenty of info out there on criterion tactics on how to break away, including some popular semi-pro cycling episodes. But the main point though, don't delay your strengths. Hilly courses and breakaways are going to be your friends if you want to do criteriums, but otherwise don't ignore who you are. And if that's not a sprinter, so be it. Double down on what you're good at. And question five, this came through as an email from one of my coaching clients and he's been having a terrible time lately. I have two kids, three and six, and I keep getting sick, viruses, bugs, you name it. How do I never get sick? First up, know that it is somewhat inevitable. You have to be realistic here. There is no such thing as never, ever, ever, ever getting sick. Especially if your kids are in contact with other kids, then minimizing your risk is your best bet here. Here is my advice to help you never get sick, even though never, never, never is not a real thing. Keep to yourself, especially when traveling on airplanes. It's hard to do if you're traveling, but do what you can to minimize your time in the most crowded areas of the terminals and the waiting areas, close quarters and communal property, handrails, etc., make transferring germs much easier. Use your elbow or the back of your hand to push doors open. If you're wearing light winter gloves, keep them on as you enter buildings and use public transportation. Keep the germs on the outside of you so you have cleaner hands inside to eat with. Secondly, wash. Use hand sanitizer between hand washings to help with the germ maintenance. Your fingertips are home to some serious bacteria and research suggests that you touch your face, mouth, eyes, nose about 16 times an hour. To keep those germs at bay, wash your hands often with soap and warm water for at least 20 seconds. Hand sanitizer doesn't get rid of germs as well as a good hand washing does, but formulas with at least 60% alcohol can kill some of them until you can get to the sink. Washing isn't all it's cracked up to be though. Each person is wired slightly differently. Some are better off fighting illnesses than others. There is growing evidence that our gut microbiome, the range and quality of microbes in our guts, impacts the immune system. And there are microbes on the outside of our body as well. And while their role isn't entirely clear, there might be a link between them and immunity. So don't always think that washing your hands is the answer but I just don't have a better answer for you at this point. Also manage stress, the best established link in terms of how lifestyle impacts the immune system is that stress levels relate to your immune system's behavior and chronic long-term stress produces cortisol which neutralizes immune cells. And finally, what is the single most important thing you can do to reduce sick days? Exercise. But you already knew that because that's one of the benefits of riding, right? That's why you ride partly. Scientists aren't really sure why though. Research suggests that consistent exercise gives your immune system a boost. It might be that moderate heart pumping workouts spark a rise in germ fighting cells in the body or that they lower stress hormones that can dampen your body's defences. More of a concern for cyclists, though, is how riding actually impacts our health and how that can lead to illness. For example, hard training sessions suppress your immune system for a period of three to 72 hours. And this period of impaired immunity is known as the open window. Being hyper vigilant with prevention techniques during this open window period is advised. In other words, avoid going to big department stores or babysitting your runny-nosed nieces after a hard long ride, or even avoid your kids a little bit. I didn't actually say that. Do not share food or drink with anybody, especially those cute children with runny noses. Avoid overtraining and chronic fatigue, and be careful with your progression in your training plan. You will also need a comeback strategy at some point because once you get sick, you need to figure out how to get back. And this is something I focus on in our training club. Finally, something of interest. A new analysis of data training from 37 elite Norwegian cross-country skiers over a nine-year period compared 16 athletes who had won Olympic or World Championship medals to the rest of the group. There were no differences in training load or other risk factors between the two groups, but the medal winners reported a yearly average of 14 symptomatic days with respiratory or gastrointestinal infections, compared with 22 in the non-medal winners group. One pattern that popped out in the data was a link with training monotony, which is defined as the average training load, basically intensity times duration of workouts, divided by the standard deviation of workout training loads. High training monotony means you're working similarly hard day after day while low training monotony means some days are far harder or far easier than others and surprisingly higher training monotony was associated with less risk of illness. You can construct plausible explanations for this perhaps having more training monotony means you avoid the occasional really hard days that leave your immune system weakened but I wouldn't have necessarily guessed it before reading the study. I'd be hesitant to put too much weight on the finding for now, but it certainly is interesting to see if similar patterns pop up in your data. So there is plenty to watch out for and plenty of places you can optimize so that you're giving yourself the best chance to never get sick. Well, that's it from me. Thanks for listening. Thanks for checking out the free workshop at semiprocycling.com forward slash workshop. And of course, ride well.